This episode is sponsored by Overcast, a better podcast app than whatever you're using right now. Unless it's Overcast. Get Overcast for free on the App Store. Oh my god. <laughs> Here we go at the Ajima show. It's your host Peter Kim. And I am Unji Kim. You guys, thank you so much for coming back and listening to this show. It is the evening of October 21st, 2020, and you guys, we have a fantastic review. This was also a Stitcher, I don't know if it's Stitcher Premium, a Stitcher review. Um, So if you're using Stitcher, leave us a review, or if you're listening to whatever you're listening to, you know what reviews do? They really help us feel good about ourselves, but also it helps uh, chart. So if people are looking for queer, loud, Korean, angry, funny type of things, it'll come up. And oh uh, someone who helped us out uh, is this goes is great. by the name you know of Ajima, yeah. New York fan. Yeah, it's just a month ago. Just a month ago. And, Recent. And the title is So Entertaining, Five Star Review. Okay. I, I love Pe- I love Unji and Peter. They always pick the most relevant news du jour. Okay, du jour. Okay, French. Yeah. Okay, hon. Okay. Uh, relevant Fancy. news du jour and keep me laughing with their wicked sense of humor. I find that I found this podcast while looking for book reviews of Pachinko and kept listening. I was amazed at how many podcasts they were able to come out with in such a short amount of time. And all the podcasts I've listened to so far are hilarious. Aw, oh. thank you so much. Ooh, this you know, person this is, loves this us. This is like the third or fourth um, review that has mentioned um, the Pachinko, Pachinko book review. Should we review more books? <laughs> <laughs> Seems to do it. <laughs> yeah, like maybe we should do something that's like very specific. More, you know, like yeah, like, Korean book, yeah, Korean, Korean authors. Book. Yeah, yeah. I'm maybe, down. Yeah. yeah. Okay. I mean, yeah. there's like that. We do so many kick-ass Koreans that are like this too. But also, oh, yeah. we were absolutely obs- like also that pachinko. We were obsessed. Like, with we were pachinko. obsessed. I mean, I tore through it. Yeah. Crazy. I mean, I don't think um, I've ever read a. No, I've read big. I've read longer books, but I was saying. <laughs> Yeah, one of the Harry Potters was pretty long. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> fuck, but, fuck J.K. Rowling, but <laughs> Harry Potter forever. Um, no, I mean, it was just like, it was, I mean, I still think about it. Yeah, me too. Yeah. I mean, especially because I recently auditioned for it, and then I asked you to do the Busan <laughs> <laughs> Um, Nothing came of that, so very cool. <gasps> Speaking of which, did you hear about Quibi? I mean, not that Pachinko was on Quibi, but streaming services. Qu- what about Quibi? Is dip, it's They're di- shutting divey? down. Okay. Yeah, yeah. they quit B. <laughs> they um they couldn't hack it. I'm sorry. You know the, it, I guess there was just a lot lot of things happening. COVID, the fact that you couldn't watch it on TV, the fact that you know they they didn't you know they didn't own any of the. You met with Quibi. Yeah. Yeah. You know they, their whole, whole model. Yeah. Was they didn't yeah, was own like, any of the things? Right. So they had no IP. So it, they really gambled, and today there was a Wall Street Journal article that came out um, saying that they're officially shutting down. They're returning $350 million to the investors. Oh, my God. Yeah, which is uh, a drop, ba- uh, you know, if you think about the $2 billion they raised. So $350 million. That's like That's what they spent on Keurigs. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, their offices were nice. Like, I mean, truly, like they got a yeah. lot of top-notch development talent. They poached a ton yeah. of people. Like, they did. was it Katzenberg? Who's the guy? Yeah, Katzenberg they- and Meg Whitman. Yeah, I mean, like, yeah, I mean, from it was, DreamWorks and Disney. I mean, that's the thing is they're kind of cu- counting on the tr- the commute. They being, were. They were counting on the commute being yeah. the time that the being in the were- office, being yes. going to the bathroom while if, during a work break, yes. a quick quibby, quick bite. And I, I honestly think it would have worked. Yeah. If COVID didn't hit, I honestly think it could have worked. It was differentiated enough of an idea in yes. the marketplace, which is saturated right now. And, you know, even I, I've been doing a lot. Of, I'm reading a lot of like um, trade stuff these days just because I'm inundated by it. But, um, you know, every day something comes out about streaming numbers and how things are progressing. And, you know, HBO Max itself is really struggling and their whole strategy was let's beat Netflix. Everyone wants to kill Netflix. Yes. That's the whole idea. It's like we have to wrestle these millions and billions of dollars away from Netflix. (laughs) And I don't know. Are you watching The Vow on HBO Max? Yeah. 
Davao was a crash and fucking burn, yeah. right? This 10, whatever episode arc it was, it should have stopped at episode four. Yes. And it, it fa- they fattened and fattened it. And that's what happens with these streamer uh, strategies is, okay, let's get one story and let's build it out as much as possible because we don't really care about the quality of the content. We just want a lot of content and keep people's eyeballs on the exactly. streamer nonstop. Yes. So the quality is going down. And HBO even said during their rebranding, and that's so sad because HBO was the premier cable network that all comics wanted to be part of. And they prided them they prided themselves on that idea. They were yes. like, we were we Netflix does content. We do uh, shows premium. We do. Yes. Yeah, we do. Sh- we we tell stories. Yes, ne- Netflix. It's not content. TV. It's HBO. That yeah. was the whole thing. It's, it's and now and it's it, just fucking TV. Now it's just fucking TV. Yeah, it and fucking that's what sucks, man. I mean, I would who's love to the be... who's the like premium network now? Amazon, Instagram, <laughs> TikTok. I finally downloaded TikTok. Oh, is your life over? Yeah. <laughs> I could see why people go down a hole because like I was in like a weird mood the other day and mm-hmm. I just sat on the couch and looked at TikTok for two hours. Yeah. And it is stupid. It's what Quibi should have been. Quick bites. It, it should have been. It's Vine, you know, like people yeah. are. But they, you know, Quibi wanted to do something like in between TikTok and HBO where they were like premium content, but short bites. Right. TikTok, Uh-oh. there's no nothing premium about Peter, it at I've all. Lost you. It is quite amateurish and gross. Oh, <laughs> but um, yeah, it was. Oh, I think I lost you first. I think I lost you. Oh, Anji. Uh, sorry, folks. Come back on. Oh, yes. there you are. Yes. Okay. <laughs> what happened? Your <laughs> Wi-Fi? Yeah, I guess. Um, are you still recording on GarageBand? Yeah. Oh, okay, let's just pick right back up mm-hmm. then. Okay, you're talking about the Quibi and like it should have made sense. Yeah, it, I, I guess that's where I lost you. Yeah, Quibi, the that's what TikTok is, what Quibi wanted to be. And yes. I, did I fall down a TikTok hole? Yeah, I did, but it's not it's not for me. It's not for me to participate. Like all the dancing and yes. the little quick edits and shit like that. Like I just don't have. I don't want to. <laughs> I don't have a need or want to participate. You're not a teen. This I is just for, like to watch. Yeah. I mean, that's the yeah. thing. Like, as the thing about Quibi is they wanted to make content for teens made by mm. adults. And the thing is, mm. what our youth culture, obsessed culture wants is content made by teens to be consumed yeah. by adults. Yes, exactly. <laughs> it's... Because like I mean, what that's do, what it is. What do we? We don't have this fucking time to like look on, like literally just edit on your phone. That's what they're all doing. Uh, yeah, and they have these little apps that help them, like, yeah, and then like, yeah. cut, and they they slice cut it and duet it, and they're doing lip syncs, and it's all very entertaining. I will say it's very very distracting. Yeah. From whatever my fucking life is, which is <laughs> good. Great job. It's yeah. every, all entertainment should be a, an escape. Um. It's just I I don't want to do it, which yes. is great. I think that's fine. I want to make all, all, all content for adults. All entertainment all entertainment is an escape except for The Wire. <laughs> <laughs> the Wire is it's not dramatic. an escape. It's a jail. It's not an escape. <laughs> <laughs> it's an emotional it's, prison. It's an emotional prison that I was. I got locked up for like three years into the in Wire in the Wire. I mean, it was. When I, I still I whenever I think about the wire I like shudder I would never it's like watching Shindler, I I know people that rewatch the wire and I know that they're insane like I couldn't I, watch the wire for the first time around I watched the first season and I was like okay I'm done yeah. I'm good <laughs> I don't want to see it like Breaking Bad too I was like okay I I don't want it yeah I lasted until season two for Breaking Bad same thing yeah I was just like this yeah. Is why am I bringing this stress into my life? It's just traumatic. Yeah, yeah, I think these are shows for white people who don't have drama in their lives. You know, you know I what I mean? Thinking, I was thinking about this. This is the reason why white people like Halloween. White people love Halloween because they, they love cr- to get scared. They look because they, you know, why? Because they were not scared of their parents. Exactly. They call their mom a bitch. That's yes. why. Yes. Yeah. It's peak. This. Like I was just like I was walking around my neighborhood. And I was like, white people go crazy. They they let their freak flag. Fly with Halloween. I, I I have never ever been a Halloween head. Me I don't, neither. I, my mom. Every time I w- I would try to get into it when I was a child, and I'd be sure. like, "Mama, you know Halloween costumes." And she was like, "Oh, mama, bandura jukke." Yeah. And then she would make me into a kujiseki. You know, it's just I was like a kujiseki many <laughs> yeah. years in a row. 
Chicha? Really? <laughs> yes. Oh my god, that is Korean paint. <laughs> like when I wear my like harmonies, like uh like basically Yeah, like, big the, clothing. Yeah, like the humble like pants, you know, the underneath yes. unders uh-huh. of that. <laughs> Push shit on your face, yeah. make your hair messy. I was yeah. always a hobo. A hobo, yeah, because my mom was like, I'm not going to buy you a Spider-Man outfit. Also, you're too chubby, so it's, it's going to be a chubby Spider-Man? Get the fuck out of here. No one's going to believe you. I'm like, I'm seven. No one believes I'm Spider-Man, mom. <laughs> my, the first, only time my mom ever got me a costume, I was in kindergarten. My mom didn't know what Halloween was. Obviously, it doesn't exist, you know? In Korea. Yeah. And so I guess like my aunt told her that there was like, this is a holiday that your your daughter's going to need to participate in the school. No, no, no. My aunt didn't. My teacher told her like, this is a holiday. You need to. Mm. And she went to, she was like at the Jewel and was like realized what all the displays were about. So she got mm. like something at the Jewel costume place. And like you see me in this picture literally wearing, I was a cookie. It was a picture. I was wearing a smock. That's literally you could see it falling apart in the picture. Like it was disintegrating. Oh on, it was disintegrating on my body. <laughs> like I. Oh my god! <laughs> Poor kid trauma. Yeah. <laughs> oh but I didn't god. know about it. I was like, I. You look at my face, and I was like, I am a cookie. Like. I, yeah. No, we were happy to be out. We're like, like, fuck <laughs> yeah, we're getting candy. Yeah. Hanging out with these whiteies. Who have like, like professional costumes made, tailor made for their bodies, and that and they are so prepared for all this candy. Yeah, like I that that candy. I had a shopping bag. Yeah. I didn't have like a nice sack. Like these yeah. kids are bringing out fucking pillowcases. My mom was like, "Hell no, you're not bringing a pillowcase outside." We use we're using these pillowcases. That shit is expensive. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> I bought it at Macy's, three for sixteen dollars. Yeah. Oh my god, Macy's <laughs> is truly an immigrant haven. Truly, yeah, like that, Macy's. Like, that sale bin is just like where everyone oh my like God. digs. Macy got some Macy. Oh, my mom used to always say like, "Oh, if you," because she also. I don't know if you guys have this in Chicago. Do you have a um, Century Twenty One? No, we we got one later, but it was I did not grow up with one. Yeah, Century Twenty One is like uh, it's like a bejang, you know, like a department store. But uh, the labels are discounted. Right, right, right. So it's right. like second. It's like kind of like a higher end TJ Maxx if you want to think about it. Oh, uh, okay, okay. Yeah, yeah. So my mom used to go to. She's like, some TJ Maxx's in Chicago are are fancy though. So oh really? Are, yes, yes. Okay. It depends yeah. so on like it, the neighborhood. There's always a place for that. Like this, yeah. it's not secondhand, but it's kind of like off season. It's been or like weird sizes. There's like or a it's like a little, weird like, color. Marker. It's like yeah, there's yeah, some, yeah. It's but also it's not, a lot of them are four or five years old. Like that, like it's yeah. whatever they need to get rid of. Yes, yes, I know. It, there's a lot of stuff like sample sale type stuff where it's like they did it for sample sizes just yes. to show like merchandisers like this could what it's gonna look like. Yes, but they never made it, so they're like, what are we gonna do with this? Like, we have a thousand of this like beige blouse. All right, let's send it to TJ Maxx. <laughs> <laughs> for century yes. 21 yes so my mom yeah my mom used to think that mace going to macy's was like for your birthday or christmas yes yeah it's a huge deal i mean i that's like that's that was like the big that that was the fancy one i mean i truly yeah. I, I still to this day like remember like going through those doors and like how mm-hmm. yeah it's it's it, the windows the windows yeah it's, yeah it's just, the beautiful christmas windows oh i miss christmas i love department stores I miss shopping. I miss retail. I yeah. miss store. I love touching things, trying stuff on. the The soft sound of the like uh, pop station that that's going on in the PA system. I love all of it. Like a kid trying to steal and getting caught through the metal detectors. <laughs> like you know the ambiance of the bugger bugger, the hustle and bustle. Yeah, it's the hustle and bustle. It's just like the uh, hum of it's the hum of the lights. Hum of capitalism. Hum. Yeah, it's like the people, the retail people. Like, I mean, I love everything about a retail experience, like from them, people trying to, I mean, people complimenting you, trying to get Mm -hmm. you into something. And, you know, like that, the art of the deal is everything. It's like flirting. Yeah. I love it. I miss, I miss. I mean, yeah. My mom (sighs) is like, for her, it's sport. (laughs) I bet. I bet your mom and my mom would really get some great deals going. Like, I mean, I've seen my mom convince people at the Bloomingdale sale. Like, they were confused. They were like, is she right? Should I be giving her 20% off? Like, they were like... 
Is she my boss? Yeah, she. I mean, what, it's like I just never. I'll never forget her leaning in once and being like, you know, one of my friends went to Lord and Taylor, oh. got a good deal. Wow. And she leaned in and was like, because she paid cash. <gasps> wow. <laughs> Did it work? No, the lady was like, what are you talking about? We, yeah, she's like, yeah, we take cash and yeah. also credit card. Yeah. <laughs> Your mom's like, all right. Okay. But, she, but my mom just stood there until this lady was like, okay, fine. Wow. And gave, her, gave her the employee discount. Wow. Good for her. Yeah. She's, that's dope. But I mean, you know, you just have to be like, she wasn't mean. She just stayed there until she, this lady was uncomfortable enough. Just not blinking, staring yeah. straight into her eyes. <laughs> yes. And then she knew this lady was going to fold. She could tell the minute yeah. she walked in, she was like, oh, look at this, a wounded lamb. Let me play with her before I eat her up. <laughs> yeah, she's weak. Yeah. I'm, I, I was, I remember being so embarrassed my mom being like, shikaroa, like just telling me to shut up and like, uh. just being like. Move away, and I was just like, "Oh my gosh, this is." I'm Were you so die. embarrassed by that when your mom? I was used so to do that? embarrassed, but also I, I so still have that winter then. coat. Oh, good for you! <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> wow, you... it's like a really nice winter coat. Must be nice not to get fat. That's great. <laughs> <laughs> well, it's a winter coat, so it's not. <laughs> <laughs> All right, we're gonna take a quick break. We'll be right back with topics. I'm Juju Chang. The award for best TV national reporter correspondent goes to Juju Chang. Hey, I'm Juju Chang, one of the co-anchors of ABC News Nightline here in New York. I was just four when my parents and I came to this country to pursue the American dream. I grew up helping my mom clean hotel rooms at our family business. As struggling immigrants, the idea that I could someday become a co-anchor of ABC News' Nightline, well, that was something beyond my wildest dreams. But I know I wouldn't be where I am today without the many trailblazers who paved the way for careers like mine. Happy Asian American and Pacific Islander Heritage Month. Hi, we are back. Today... You know what? This is something that I think you were going to talk about last week, but we were running short on time. So I'm glad that there has been some um, movement okay. in this. Yeah. So last week, BTS accepted this award called the Van Fleet Award. Okay. And um, RM, who's the leader and kind of like the mainstay yes. English speaker of the group, <clears throat> was uh, he said the history of he he wanted to acknowledge the history and pain and sacrifices of the U.S. and Korean troops um, during the Korean War, which yes. was, as we knew, were fought by fought against North Korea and China. Yes, uh, Chinese you know, forces. Yes, Chinese yeah, forces. Yeah, yeah. Which is just history, folks. This is not RM like calling China out and being like "fuck China." He said nothing of the sort. He just said, "Hey." We've lost a lot of people during this war. I mean, literally, admittedly, this is a completely innocuous statement. Yes. The history of pain and sacrifice of the U.S. and Korea. Like, this, that's a it, very innocuous statement to acknowledge the, U, the Korean War. Yes. <laughs> the Korean War happened. You, China, happened to be on the other side of it. But they didn't say China fucked us up. We, you know, the, 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 you know, whatever the wars of, of uh, the crimes of war or, you know, like they, they did nothing. They mentioned nothing about China. But of course, social media in China was getting super butthurt. Uh, the Global Times, which yes. is China's state owned tabloid, blasted the group for its, quote, one sided attitude that negated history, exactly. which. See, this is like exactly Trump shit. It's like when he projects what he did on mm -hmm. the other person. You know what I mean? Yeah. Like, oh, they're going to cheat. Everyone, corrupt, corrupt. You know, like this is exactly that. And because of that, online stores started, began pulling BTS-related products in anticipation of a nationalist frenzy um, that has happened before when I think a year ago we were talking about K-beauty products being pulled because of some kind of foreign relation problem with between South Korea and China. And, yeah, and I mean, uh, other brands were also sort of like pulling, they were all being so scared about the mighty so scared. Chinese market, you know? Because yes. Twitter was in a frenzy about this. Yes, um, they were. I mean, they were just in a frenzy. And the thing is, 
this is the sort of thing where this it's not of a it's not even a sin of omission, but it's like the fact that he simply didn't talk about their point of view was seen as yeah. an indictment of their involvement. Yeah. And that's like bitch, fucking nuts. A bitch dude doth protest too much. You know, that's a situation <laughs> where like like what's up, what's up with that? Like what's going on? Why? Like this is like this is like shit, a guilty bitch just like I didn't sleep with your boyfriend. Like when you were just talking, you know? <laughs> yeah, when you were <laughs> like, like, should we have ta- brunch? Yeah, I don't even like your boyfriend, yeah. Bob. Like what's what? going on? Like what? What you mean? Like are you feel? Are, do, do you like my boy? You know, it's this yeah. kind of thing that that always calls into question motives and like mm-hmm. what you're true. Like, well, wh- if you want BTS to be an extension of the. State-run media, prop, state-run <laughs> propaganda machine. The machine. <laughs> You're gonna have to give BTS a lot more money, and I doubt Hello? they would. I, they I don't need they it, would. hun. All right, <laughs> their five billion dollar industry, their IPO went skyrocketing the second day it doubled. So fuck off, China, and all of the social media in China yeah. that was coming for BTS. Okay, do not come for Army if you don't have Army. <laughs> and by the way. Army, did you know, stood for Adorable Representative MC for Youth? (laughs) This is like such a Korean thing. This is so Korean. It's embarrassing. It's like how many, like the amount of thesauri (laughs) that Korean people use. (laughs) They're like, oh, yeah, vocabulary words. We need to throw everything in there. Adorable representative MC for youth. This is like this is harkening back to HOT high five of teenager. Yes, high what, five. Of not teenagers. Teenager. teenager. Oh. Sometimes I'm like, come on, K-pop, get it together. Just I ask mean, someone that's Korean American. Please. Like one email. Like, does this sound cool? Email us, gmail.com We'll tell you if it's cool or not. This is not cool. And now we're going to get fucking army. They're going to come after us. No, it's good. I actually don't. Um, actually, I don't. I, I disavow Peter. I actually have. <laughs> come for me. We need more listeners. <laughs> no such thing as bad press. Anyway, so K-Beauty Products, MBA. MBA got fucking. Uh, they. This was back when we were uh, the MBA was taking a stance against Hong Kong being yes. infringed upon, and they were like, "Okay, we're gonna shut down all MBA showing in China, which is gonna be like two billion dollars worth of revenue or some shit like that." Yeah. And the MBA had to like son up and be yeah. like, "Miss, I'm so sorry, I'm that so sorry." That coach had to apologize. <clears throat> yeah. Yeah. Hell yeah. <laughs> and that coach was also, but not part of Army. Yeah. So what happened <laughs> was this week the. PRC, People's Republic of China, seemed to be backing down from the fight from BTS Mm -hmm. because the Global Times quietly deleted some of its articles criticizing BTS. Yes, and the negativity against the group in Chinese social media also has quickly faded. So clearly, China tried it. They came for our boys, and they were like, oh, Oh. I'm... they, we were not called for. <laughs> we should not have come for them. Oh no! Th- oh dear! This is not my lane. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> oh, yeah. Oh, oh dear! Let me just turn on this blinker and go back. <laughs> I'm gonna do a quick U-turn and get the fuck out of here. Get my ass back to Wuhan. These, the Chinese have. This is, I think, the first time I've ever really heard of the Chinese government writ large, like, like fall back on something. They're like, oh yes. Oh, this is. This is something to fuck with. Even we, the mighty China nationalist country, yes. cannot overcome the power that is a global entity of BTS and ARMY. I mean, ARMY. And, yeah. And in this, in, in this article on foreignpolicy.com, <clears throat> they talk about how uh, China is really bad at, quote, soft power strategy. Yes. And I didn't really know what that was until I, I kept reading. And um, what this means is that... S- Soft power is like cultural power, kind of mm-hmm. like what America has. Yes. Uh, and also South Korea has a lot yes. of. And this is mainly because um, they are completely controlling over what goes on in their country, what's allowed on their internets, what you can uh, read on Twitter, et cetera. Exactly. And um, according to Kim Dae-jung, uh, the old president, uh, RIP of Korea, South Korea, and also the architect of soft power, 
His diagnosis, he said China does not have anything like Hallyu, which is like the spread of Korean culture across mm-hmm. um, the East and also uh, globally. It's like the main point of pride, yeah. Right. Uh, it, they don't have, China cannot have Hallyu because it is not a democracy. Yes. Which I thought was interesting. He said Korea was influenced by Chinese culture for 2,000 years, mm-hmm. but Korea was never sinicized. I've never heard that term before, but sign become sinoed, yeah, yeah. yeah. right? Uh, unlike, he, he said, like the Mongols of Yuan Empire and Manchus of Qing Empire, because of this very reason that Koreans are very good at accepting international culture and then recreating it Adapting. with their own yes. unique version. Yes. It is yes. so specific to our people. Yes. And um, this is in turn why Korean culture is such a, a, a fascinating export. Uh, and Kim, uh, Kim Dae-jung also believed that culture only grew through exchanges and any attempt to shield a culture from international exposure would lead to stagnation, which is exactly what's happening in China and yeah, yeah. Russia. You, that's why you don't see any cool shit coming out of Russia. Yeah. You know what I mean? Like, <laughs> It's never cool. It's always like 20 years behind. Yeah, and yeah. this is the, exactly the reason because the government is so scared about what creatives and free speech would do to a authoritarian government. And also what Kim Dae-jung came, in, uh, uh, came to his office in 1997, which is uh, right around when Sateji Boy's second right. album was coming out. Exploded. And it was this huge explosion Exploded. of K-pop. And he realized, oh shit, this is something to fuck with. Mm-hmm. And uh, we should start putting more money into our culture and mm-hmm. supporting our uh, our creative creatives. Yes. And he abolished the ban that was happening. Post-Korean War, there was a ban on... J-pop culture. Yes. Like you had to secretly watch Japanese TV. I mean, anti-American, anti-Japanese sentiment was incredibly high even through. Huge. Huge. Even through the 80s. Yeah. I would say through the 2000s even. Yeah. Yeah. Absolutely. I mean, honestly. It's it's only when like Poa and like Shinhua and these like big names, Rain was making like money in Japan. Yeah. That's when they were, Korea, Korean government was like, oh, fuck. Mm-hmm. This is this is a source of revenue. Yeah. So Kim Dae-jung abolished the ban on J-pop culture. Mm-hmm. Um, uh, and w- because most people were afraid like, oh, my God, people are going to like J-pop is going to take over our culture and we're only going to be subjugated by them. But what exa- actually happened was J-pop came in and we said, <laughs> we could do it better. Yeah. And that's what <laughs> Koreans are all about. We're just like, we're all pitch up. We look yeah. at something, it's like, we could do it better. That, that's what Pong Chudo said. Do it cheaper. We could do it cheaper. Cheaper, but better. <laughs> better. Who cares? It looks good. Look at what happened with Parasite. He was like, oh, this is what movie making is? <laughs> Let me break this for you. Let me break the fucking genre for you. And that's what we do. We take something yeah. and we go, we're not afraid of it. We're not saying we're never afraid that it's going to. Because I think it's because we've been stepped on over and over and over again. Yes. That we, we are so used to that. So we're so accommodating and adapting on other people's culture. And then kind of doing this like like feng shui move, like a tai chi move. You yeah, know what I mean? mean? It's we've like. Had, we've had to assimilate as a function of survival. Yes. We've exactly. had to adapt out of a function, like truly out of a sheer will to survive. So yeah. one, we've already been very adaptive. Like there, I know how many old people know like so many words of Japanese. Like, I mean, just like truly oh, yeah. being colonized. Yeah. I, this is very interesting because the thing I was going to talk about last week, also mm-hmm. I was going to fold in this thing about, I, you know, I talked about it a couple of episodes ago, but the American part of Korean culture cannot be denied. There mm-hmm. is a definite bend towards the uh, agro agro capitalist american sensibility mm-hmm. that koreans really adapted and took to and is responsible for like the proliferation of k-pop in, in this way like even the sort of innovation that k-pop has had with all the trainee schools mm-hmm. like this like idea of a template for something is is straight out of american pop groups it's straight out of this sort of idea that it's like disney kids yes i mean it's truly like they we koreanize an american idea right Mm -hmm. we did we were we became americanized but then we koreanized it but oh yeah it's It's, we've scrubbed it so much that we can't even see the american in it anymore yeah i mean it's It's a strictly korean thing now but it's also that boy band group is actually originates from the motown model like that's what that lady was this the 
um, our last honorary kick-ass Korean, like she would, that lady who's an academic, she was talking about that and why so much of like the early K-pop was also very heavily influenced by black music mm-hmm. is like there is this like innate connection we have. Like it's also the same way that the British did American music better. Yeah, the Beatles. Yeah. I mean, just yeah. like all of that British wave of people like also did that. I mean, yeah. that is where for like that whole thing about how this kind of culture can exist because China is not a democracy is 100 percent true. Absolutely. Like, it's you know, uh, and who, yeah, I, at least like a representative democracy and like a free exchange of ideas is not happening in China. And no. that's what Kim Dae-jung said in 2007 in an interview. He said, Inter- the government ha- has a role in supporting culture, but it must not overstep its boundaries. Intervention kills the arts. Creativity must flow freely. But artists are economically weak, so the government should support them financially, help them with money, but do not intervene. And I thought that was so powerful, and like, that's exactly why K-pop and K-culture is thriving, because it feels like the internet again. Like, it feels like an open source, an Mm -hmm. open freeway, a highway of information, back and forth, back and forth, and it's it's evolving, and that and that's why I I think. Where we are with K-pop is such a beautiful and also quite tragic phenomenon. Yes. Because, yeah. We'll get to that has, later with this Blackpink yeah. documentary. But Yeah, yes. let's get right into it. Yeah. <laughs> no, I mean, I was going to say that there – I was – I – I fell down this other rabbit hole because I, I there is this Instagram uh, account that I follow. It is a Chinese – she's like a Chinese like expat. Like she's – I think she's British, like she's English, mm. and she went to MIT. She's like, uh, she runs this um, Instagram account called Males Are Canceled. She's very Gen Z, very <laughs> like weird and funny, and she like had a meme that was like, ha- that basically said like this kind of uh, fetishizing this culture is like that is cool individualistic, and had a picture of uh, Japan, the Japanese islands. And like this culture is weird to fetishize because they're like things are not as good. And it was Korea. And I've heard a couple of people kind of go after K-pop in this way about how unimaginative it is and is somewhat derivative and blah, blah, blah. And then also like kind of the things that we're talking about, about the capitalistic parts of it uh, that are sort of not as free, not as creative and not as quote unquote pure. Um but the thing that I find really compelling about K-pop at this point is that it is all capitalist. Like, I mean, I was a huge fan of NSYNC and I still like rock and roll. Like, I don't think that you can measure music in this way. Like, if this moves millions of people, can you honestly tell them that they're like, you know, like, that's uh. like you know what I mean? Like that they're not that this music is not as good, is not as, as right. I think the fact that they've their power and clout and their fandom was so virulent that they could silence the Chinese government is a testament Hell to the no. fact that the shit yes, is yes. something to reckon with. Yes, so and it's beyond borders. Yes. So it's let's completely, start yes. So exactly. let's start the conversation there. Like, let's yeah. not even talk about what you think about the music and what happened. You know what I mean? It's like, that is sort of what's happened to K-pop. It's reached a level yeah. where it's like a, it's a cultural commodity that can be bought and sold. Yes, like that's it's how its own marketplace. Yes, that's, uh-huh. how, that's uh-huh. how real this shit is. Like, it's and not especially a with virtual concerts, like yes. you don't even need like borders to be opened. You know, like so this is, it's this is cool. Your, this is not your Damien Hirst like twenty million dollar like weird rind encrusted whatever. This is not art mm-mm, in this way. Mm-mm. This is concrete shit that you can buy and sell from that Korea sells into the world marketplace. And yes. brings people joy. This this shit's better than Coca Cola. Like what the fuck? <laughs> like, you know. <laughs> like, Come and get your love. <laughs> <laughs> okay, so let's go straight into this Blackpink documentary. Did you light up it? the sky? Yes, of course I watched it. It was gorgeous. It was oh beautiful. It was I mean, sad. it was truly sad and kind of propaganda ish. Yes, but um, I was it, a little it, bored it, through some of it. I was a little bored through some of it because they wouldn't get to the nitty gritty of how hard this trainee program is. Yes. They were like, 
yeah, sometimes it's like 14, 16 hours a day. And then and then that one girl, Jisoo. Yeah. One Jisoo of them was, was like, oh, Apo, I keep getting sick. <laughs> that was Jenny. I'm weaker than everyone. Oh, Jenny. that was Jenny. <laughs> yeah. yeah. <laughs> she was like, I don't know. I just always come back and I'm so tired and like my body yeah. hurts. And it's like, yeah, bitch. Like, <laughs> you been- I did love. Yeah. Yeah. I did love that how um, there were so many different type of Koreans and yes. a non-Korean. Yes. The, the Thai girl. She's my fave. She is my fave too. Yeah. Yeah. Lisa. <laughs> she's She rocks. Yeah. I mean, she's clearly like just so she's she's our vibe, which is like just happy, yeah. just happy to be graminated for a NAMI. Like that to me <laughs> yeah. is like just like that, like, you know, oh, because she's clearly the best at something. She has her role. They all respect yeah. her. But she's also yeah. so grateful to be there. Yeah, exactly. And she has the best attitude. She's, you know, in the documentary, they, they tell you about how she's the one who's like cheerleading and like cheering everyone up when, you know, the other ones are feeling down. But I do. I also love that how each one of them has a specific role in the group. And yes. that is what makes a group dynamic work is yes. that everyone is very clear on the job they do and they get fulfilled by what they contribute to the group. Yes. And they were talking about all these other trainee groups that happen that don't make it to Blackpink level because they're fighting. They're like, no, I'm the soprano singer. I'm also a soprano singer. Well, you can't have two of you, hun. Like one of them, one of you, it's superfluous. Yeah. Especially because you look exactly the same. Like it'll be different if one of you had a shaved head and you were a soprano. You know what I mean? But you all have the same shoulder length, like light blonde hair. hair. Like. <laughs> I mean, it's also like everyone wants to be the star. Yeah. And exactly. in this was one of those situations where there were other creative things that motivated them. Mm-hmm. So like they didn't, they weren't just fame seeking, like just one of them is naturally that person. And yeah. they all sort of acknowledge that because she's not like yeah. that at all offstage. Yeah. You yeah, know? exactly. And they seem like they actually get along and they actually are kind of like sisters where it's like we all like fill into a family as opposed to like this is a, a smashed together group of girls that could sing and dance. Like it was different. And I love that about them. Well, I mean, they're because they all like endured years of <laughs> like basically they were forced to go through a training camp for the duration of a high school. Like of yeah, college, more than, through, yeah, more than, more than, yeah, with like four like, to six years. It was like basically like the way they're describing it, it's like basically going to a reality show that lasts for four years, <laughs> where like someone <laughs> exactly. is voted exactly. off, and there's like a yeah. challenge at the end right. of every fucking week, and there's yeah. new girls come in and new girls get out, get pulled out. I mean, you, it's they like, get younger and hotter, and they have better and, voices, yeah. and you just keep getting older, and it's like mm-hmm. they keep coming in, they get voted out, or they stay, and it's like. Mm-hmm. You know, that's insane. That's a, a level of stress. And also, like, if imagine if you had made it three years and got cut. Dude. Like. <laughs> I know. There was that one girl that was saying, like, oh, she almost made it into group, but got cut. I was like, oh, my God. I What would you even do? How do you even go back home and tell your family you wasted all this time? And then what do you do after all that training? Do you become a backup singer, backup dancer, at least? Or, like, are you serving tables? Yeah. Yeah, like you ordered, you open a jajangmyeon chip. Like, and what do you so do? Many of these girls. I mean, that's the part. That's so very many, sad. so many of these girls. So, so those are the discarded parts. Those are the discarded humans of this capitalist mm-hmm. machine. Yeah, that they don't show. They don't show. There's no mm-hmm. documentary about them. But even when they're talking about it, I was just like, this is insane. Like, the level of devotion and like concentration on this one thing in their lives at such yeah. a young age i mean i saw i mean honestly the sadness in their eyes and even them acknowledging like their personal lives and like because they don't even get to really enjoy any wealth like all no. the wealth is still going to yg they still yeah. live in the fucking dorm yeah they don't <laughs> get to be out on their own fucking going i mean they did show like lisa going to oh, was it lisa or one yes, of the girls yeah. going to she was, like, she, buy, she was, like she was only it's the only time she was any of them were filmed outside of the studio yeah. alone 
alone. Yeah, because they she went shopping. Yeah, at some vintage store or something, yeah. and you know you know that was like completely set up and all yeah. that. But like, yeah, it does feel sad. It's human capital and mm-hmm. it's entertainment capital. It's exactly what Hollywood is, but like with a way um homogenized group of people <laughs> and a very clearly kind of corrupt system like they yes. are very open about how how hard it's going to be yes. and that you're not going to be able to go home for christmas for 6 years no i mean so that's, and then you'll you know, be spit out at the end of this being a little richer exactly now now if you end up like going on your own and then becoming like um a turama star Sure. Because they do that. They do crossovers. Yes, yes. And then, you know, you do like booking. You do fucking um, CF commercials. CFs are where you really make money. That's where the commercials are where you make money. Those contracts. Jenny is So, you know, we're watching Record of Youth. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah, exactly. (laughs) Record of Youth is really doing a good job, like, (laughs) telling us all about it. (laughs) But, but, I mean, Jenny is actually getting that CF money. Like, she is that person. Yes. So, like, I mean, it's, it's like kind of being like, like they're all Destiny's child and Jenny is yeah. Beyonce. But also yeah. they also don't enjoy the freedom that the rest of the girls and Beyonce did. They still got to go fucking home. They got to be a that's little true. richer. Um, yeah. Like that's the part where I'm just like, well, because, you know, even in every single music documentary, if any of you, any of you listeners have ever watched the Katy Perry documentary or the Lady Gaga documentary. Blech. That's okay. Yeah, I mean, just like the yeah. moments where you see them in repose before they have mm-hmm. to turn it on. Yeah. Or like the sadness they experience like kind of off stage. It's like we ask as a society so much of these people. Mm-hmm. And it, I don't think that we, that I, th- I don't think we as a society understand yet the cost. I mean, we think about Judy Garland. We think about all these like people that the system has ground up and spent out but now mm-hmm. our our culture is also fame obsessed i mean even instagram people get talk about this how taxing it is and yeah. i can't imagine what it's like at that and they level. don't do anything <laughs> yeah and they don't do anything don't, but it's like just the, yeah. I, just the fame itself is exhausting just exhausting. the notoriety the itself, upkeep the upkeep yeah. itself is exhausting yeah yeah because it's not natural so like these girls like i mean yeah, I, I will say that, like, the fact that Jisoo was, like, she was, like, I'm the only one that went to high school. <laughs> yeah. And she was, like. They all I'm, had to drop out and yeah. do, yeah. Yeah. I mean, I think of it as, like, it, it might be, it is a very concentrated phenomenon, but it happens here all the time. Like, people who go to theater school, it's the same thing. You know, they're paying for, I mean, their parents are rich enough to pay for theater school, yeah. and they're not, like, being worked to the bone like Blackpink is, but also, they also don't have the opportunity to become Blackpink if you go to fucking NYU Tisch. You know what I mean? Like, you just <laughs> learn the basics, you're a college student, and then you do the thing, you know? Yeah. But, like, there there used to be systems like that in here, like, fucking, what's his name? Lou Perlman, and Backstreet Boys yeah, I mean. and NSYNC, yeah. like, yeah, it was, it's exactly the same thing that they were doing back then in I mean, the early 2000s. It's the same 2000s. thing as the MGM, the MGM studio <clears throat> system. I Systems, mean, yeah. yeah. Like the, the, what they the did studio. to Anna Nicole Smith, you know, yeah. like, it's all part and parcel of, and, and we, we'd say like, well, you know what? We give you that fame, so we get to take your soul. It's an exchange, right? We, as the consumers... We get to consume you. Yes. And we get to celebrate you. You get to be God status, Jennifer Aniston. And yeah. now you're going to be on Us Magazine every fucking week for 56 years. Yes. And you can't yeah, do and you anything. can't leave your house. You can't do yeah. anything. And now you're going to be weird. You're going to be weird because of this. <laughs> yeah. I'm sorry. You're yeah. going to be weird. And I and I and there's always like rumors about you as like being a big pothead. I'll be like, good on you, bitch. Like, thank God you yeah. figured out a way to stay sane. Like, if Something. that means that you have to smoke joins every hour on the hour like do it do a bitch like i don't i have thought up at least with regard to celebrity i have thought about this often and like the human cost of fame is so the people that are willing to pay that price it's like it's another thing it's another thing you i gotta be I there's a mental i mean i i'm convinced that hollywood is run on I guess everything is really, but like Hollywood especially is run on exploiting mental illness. 
Yeah. And we love messy crazies, and we like to wind them up and make them perform for us until they juice up, juice up enough to die. And then we move and we go thoughts and prayers gone too soon. And then on to the next one. That's what we do to these people. And it might not in Korea, they might not exploit mental illness. They might exploit financial, (laughs) you know, like Like your family's poor. Her homestay thing in New Zealand when she was like, yeah, you're just alone. Her like mom left and she was like, yeah, I maybe would have liked to have had a home and i'm just like holy yeah. shit like my but how does she get cold. to do that in new zealand without money she must have had money no i think like a homestay is not that much money like it's not like that no oh it's just who funds it then it's who's, not a study who's abroad. feeding her it's not a study abroad. yeah right so she was there alone in some like host family or something yeah. or she was like a, yeah she was an orphan or something yeah oh that sounds horrible. Yeah. <laughs> I thought it was like one of these like rich girls going like, I'm going to go school in New Zealand. No. I uh, mean, she also doesn't well, have a dad. Yeah. I, they didn't really go into that. Like no. what happened to the dad? Yeah. Well, I thought it was really fascinating. I think you guys should go check it out. It does show how the group became the group and it has all this because they tape everything it has yes. all this rehearsal footage from back in the day the trainee days their auditions they have and they're so and good then too they're so good they're you know one of the the blonde girl her vo- rose yeah her voice is so you can tell she was like a church singer she was yes. up there on the praise team you yeah, can yeah. tell she was like yeah. the cute onni on the yeah. praise team yeah. yes i mean when <laughs> with her guitar like news i'm just like oh my yeah. god it's so funny that korean communities are stay the same regardless Everywhere. everywhere everywhere you go like it's like yeah. in new zealand like that accent i'm just like oh but like this bitch i can recognize who this is gonna be like yeah, immediately yeah. i know who she is rosie is a weird <laughs> name to have but like whatever yeah. <laughs> i mean yeah one from australia one from new zealand one was from korea, korea, korea. itself yeah. and then a thai girl yeah crazy it is I crazy mean, I, I, yeah i find it ve- i find it very interesting and i thought it was a really cool it, it was definitely like a black pink marketing material but yes um it was very cool to get a little sneak peek into like their lives uh, yes I, and I their rise that, to fame yeah that was really interesting I, I would say that any sort of real meaning and any sort of real education you might get is stuff that you have to infer and mm-hmm. like because of the way that it is, they like, kind of allude to how hard it is. But you have to infer this shit and also yeah. do the so, uh, follow up research on this stuff because it is a marketing material thing. It is very glossy. I would admit mm-hmm. that it was a little boring at parts because of how mm-hmm. marketing material it was. I was like, I don't know. The middle yeah. was a little fat. Yeah. yeah. I was just like, OK, yeah. I mean, can we yeah. see one fight? Can, we, can I see something? Yeah, like, something. Yeah. <laughs> like, can I see one of them what cry like that is not like on stage because she's so happy? Um, yeah. Yeah. Like just like I, I want to see the real part of this. And I mean, so many of the documentaries. May I also yeah. say that I think maybe Koreans in Korea, entertainers Never don't complain. ever do that. Yeah. Never. 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 Yeah, I don't think. I mean, it's, most it's Koreans don't. Like, only only people that that's complain, what I mean. Only people that complain are moms to you. <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> but to be on a national stage or international stage yeah. and say exactly what you want, that doesn't really sound that Korean to me. Like, I don't know no. any Korean that would do that. And also, any a lot of Korean entertainers specifically because of this like idea of um, what was it, Hallyu? Hallyu, yeah. Hallyu. They feel a very deep sense of responsibility as a representative yes. of the culture. Absolutely. And so they're never going to complain. But like, yeah. you know, where's Satoji? Like, I would love to hear his thoughts on K-pop now. <laughs> YG is from Satoji. Is he the head of it? Yeah. He, yeah. Yang Yeonseok is the guy with the, remember in Satoji, the guy with yeah. the like, like the bucket hat? That's him. He oh started YG. He owns Blackpink. <laughs> yeah. The tall, like, Chai Oppa from Sateji. Yeah. Yeah, that's him. That's like when... That's crazy. 
That's like yeah. when, when the inmates become the prison guards. <laughs> exactly. They're like, hey, if we can't beat the system. You know, let's like, let's stay here and let's make this jail really look good. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> let's get a library up, in dude. here. That is so fucked up. It's fucked up. JYP, same thing. Remember Park Jin Young back in the day? Uh-huh. <gasps> the, so yeah, remember everybody old, said so he was gay? Yeah. So all yeah. those old like 90s K-pop people are the Became heads. management companies. Yes. YG, JYP, and SM are the three biggest. And then Big Hit, obviously, now because of BTS. Yeah. Big Hit, no one knew who that was. It was like a mini, tiny suksu. Like, no one knew who they were. They were like the underlings. And then BTS happened, and they became this huge thing. But SM Town, Izuman is known to be like the most evil one out of all of them. They're yeah, like yeah. the... Exxon Mobile of K-pop, you know, <laughs> and YG's like the cool urban, yeah. like a little edgier, you know. Yeah. And then JYP is kind of somewhere in the middle. By the way, we're uh, we're gonna have to do this uh, another episode on this, but JYP, there are rumblings about him becoming a cult leader. <gasps> Seriously. He's writing like a Bible or like a book of his quote beliefs, and he's making all his like trainees and people like go through this thing and yeah like kind of like nexium yeah baby it's happening (laughs) okay i can't wait to be in the nexium documentary with you (laughs) (laughs) all right we're gonna take a quick break we'll be right back my father like a character out of the pachinko novel was educated in japan i had no clue the kinds of sacrifices they made to bring us here and to live here as immigrants. When they came to the US in 1969, it was to a blue collar existence. They ran an ice cream store. I remember Amma boiling dozens of eggs and cracking them so we could make egg salad sandwiches. I hated egg salad sandwiches for many years. I remember they had a flower shop, but their main enterprise was a humble 15 room motel. They did all the work themselves. I remember going from room to room as a kid, helping change linens, watching my mom scrubbing toilets with her English literature degree. All right, we are back with Kick-Ass Koreans. Kia! Yeah. Okay, my Kick-Ass Korean uh-huh. is a... Okay, so speaking of like Blackpink and like all the different types of Koreans in the world... This is a, her name is Julie Wan. She's announced her candidacy for a Western Queen City Council seat. Hell um, yeah, Queens. Yeah. <laughs> so her parents actually came over in 1998 mm. after the financial crisis in South Korea. You know, the um, IMF. IMF. Yeah. yeah. Huge, huge, huge uh, bad time in Korea. And so her mom was a nail tech her whole life. Her dad was like another kind of thing like that. I mean, they came over and they were straight up immigrants. Like there was a wave of people from in the late nineties, early aughts that like did this. Yeah. Um, and so she would actually become the first elected Korean in New York State if she won. Whoa! Oh, wait, what? First if she won? Korean American, first Korean American woman to serve as uh-huh. an elective, elected official okay. in New York State. Yes. And gotcha. So, okay. So she used to be like a tech age tech change agent at like a bunch of like software companies and stuff. Mm. I just had, I, she's, her story is very, I mean, if, if you've been listening to this podcast, her story is very similar to all the Korean people that have, you know, if you've been an immigrant kid, but also mm. very specifically Queens, very specifically, very New York and very specifically lower middle class. So mm. that's unique, but I she's just my wanted, people. Yes, exactly. Um, and so I just wanted to end with I just wanted to write say uh um like you know whatever read you her quote. Okay. Um I'm running for student co- for I'm running for student council. <laughs> <laughs> this is about you now. Yeah. <laughs> I'm running for city council because the American mm. dream in my personal life has proven to be false as mm. well as the myth of the model minority. We need to elect leaders like myself who understand the struggle of our everyday lives from our personal experiences, not through proxies or from a distance. 
What this pandemic has shown us is that all inequities get further exposed in times of crisis, and we need to work together as a community with organizations like Mutual Aids and other nonprofits that are based in our communities to fill in the gaps. Like, I mean... Kick-ass, dude. Kick-ass. Like, she... Just in terms of what her ideas about uh, about mutual aid and, like, what people deserve. But it's all the stuff that's just happened in the last year. I think we're seeing, and we've um, covered these kick-ass Koreans. So many immigrants and Korean-Americans specifically have started to realize the need for us to be engaged politically mm-hmm. because of this pandemic. Because Amazing. there is no network. There's no political, governmental network for us to catch us. We are Ain't nobody falling. coming to the rescue. We are free no. falling. And so the only thing that we can do is organize. The only yep. thing we can do is show up, vote, and elect people that will represent our values. Amen. Kick Absolutely. Kick ass. Kick ass. All right, Julie Wan, I'm 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 cheering for you. Whiting. I can't <laughs> believe you will be the first um Korean American woman right. in New York State. In 2020, come on, that's too late. Let's get this done, folks. I mean, if you're yeah. in the area, if in, if you're in her district, she's Long Island City, Astoria, Sunnyside, Woodside. Come on, those are very Korean ass <laughs> places. So go support her. My kick ass Koreans. Actually, today I have two. Ooh. Um, <clears throat> yeah, and the reason I have two is because the new writers have been chosen for the 20 slash 2020 slash 2021 Viacom CBS Writers Mentorship Program. Ooh. Now. Yeah, that's really cool. Let me tell you a little bit about the program. Oh, wait, they added um, Viacom? They're, Viacom CBS is a, the new company name now. Okay, so they're going, they're, that's the new CBS. Yeah, no that's like CBS. for everything. Yeah, okay. yeah. Nothing's just CBS anymore. Okay. Um, <laughs> uh, CBS was a, 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 like a, a company with a weird brand image, and then they got acquired or they merged with a company with equally weird brand image. Yes. So <laughs> Viacom CBS. Um, so anyway, it's a huge deal because over 1,600 applicants um, uh, are applied, people applied. And what it is is an eight-month uh, eight month mentoring program who, where they pair selected writers with Viacom CBS executive mentors who will help them create new content, um, there will, uh, af- and after the mentorship period, the writers partake in a 16 week workshop where they will learn the ins and outs of the television industry Ooh. and they'll have access to agents, executives, showrunners, producers. So it's basically a fast track for writers. And guess what? Out of, um, the 11 people chosen this year, yeah. two of them are Korean women, baby. What? <laughs> Yes. Are you serious? Korean woman. So I'm going to read you who they are and then just a little bit about their bio. So first one is Nina Kim. She's a comedy writer okay. at Nina Kim Possible. Nina was born in Atlanta, raised in Nashville by Korean immigrants. Okay, new. Okay. Nina Kim is a <laughs> comedy writer, recent University of Michigan graduate. Go Blue! Okay. Yeah. <laughs> uh, <laughs> BA in film studies, and film, television, and media. By the way, I t- took a um, Asians in film studies class in University of Michigan, and I, it was one of the best things I ever took. And we watched a lot of Charlie Chan. Yeah. Anyway. <clears throat> I got a Charlie Chan on VHS. <laughs> yeah. Number one son. Yeah. <laughs> um, Nina started at, as the writer's production assistant on CW's Nancy Drew. By Whoa. the way, uh, a cute thing about Nancy Drew, uh, Leah Lewis, the Chinese girl from my CBS showcase year yeah was um cast in nancy drew after the showcase oh my gosh yeah um anyway so she was on that she was in shondaland she was also shondaland's sunshine Stu- scout i can't speak anyway she was she was working in shondaland <laughs> Nina Kim was. wow uh, most recently she was recognized as semi-finalist and Wait, the second round there graduated she she's got a lot of stuff <laughs> Yeah, not that recent. <laughs> I, I guess, I don't know. You know, she's a Korean woman. She gets shit done. Um, most recently, she was recognized as a semifinalist and second rounder in the 2020 Austin Film Festival. Wow. And was selected as a finalist for 2020 Warner Brothers Television Writers Workshop. Currently, Whoa. she is the showrunner's assistant on Netflix's Dead to Me. Yeah! That's a dope show. She's got a crazy packed uh, uh, resume. Yeah. This girl's going places. Nina Kim. Also, we have Melissa Park, who is a drama writer. She's oh. not on Twitter, but you could hashtag her Melissa Park. 
Melissa Park is a first-gen Korean-American raised in Irvine, California. She okay. graduated so other side of the country. She graduated from Emerson College, great college for creatives, with a BFA in writing, literature, and publishing. Okay. Most recently, she was a 2018 semifinalist for NBC Writers on the Verge and 2019 finalist for WB Writers Workshop. Currently, she is a program assistant at the Academy of Motion Picture Arts and Sciences. Wow. wow. Very, very cool. So, yeah, Melissa Park, Nina Kim, follow their journey. They're, they they have stuff all over Deadline and Variety and Hollywood Reporter. The the, the, the press releases went everywhere. So uh, look them up, follow them, support them, and tell them they're awesome. Wow. That's it. Thank yeah. you so much. That's <laughs> new people that I have to follow and covet. <laughs> be envious of yeah all right guys don't forget to vote there's only two weeks left there's a lot of fucked up shit happening with voter you know suppression and stuff like that but be resilient vote early if you can please try not to go on november 3rd they're gonna try to choke the lines and it's gonna be fucking annoying for you did you vote by the way yeah yeah i went, I I went last i went i went on friday last friday Hell yeah. I got together with a bunch of my friends. We did mailing votes. We sat around the table and we fucking did research and ta- yeah. actually talked to each other about who is this local judge? What is she known for? And oh, we I like did this voting research. party thing. It was so cool. And it took the pressure off of knowing everything myself right. and having people, you know, if you, there's like four to six people, there are people who are like, hey, I'm looking at the progressive guide, a progressive voters guide. Yes. Or like, I'm looking at LA Times. And then we would put them against each other and see, okay, what's better in line for what I believe in and what's important for me and stuff like that. So like it was a really nice way to get baby steps involved in, you know, your civic duty to vote. I, mean, I just so, used the progressive girls guide and then I, that's great. but then I also like ha- kind of got tired. So then I just, uh, said no to every male judge. <laughs> that's awesome. <laughs> I love that. I hope that it so, works out. <laughs> I hope it works out too. All right, guys. Thanks for listening. Uh, uh, We love you. See you next week. We love you too. Bye. Bye.